0: This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin Felix and Matt on the W Debate.
1: Welcome to the W Debate. All right, boys, are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back 19. Explain yourself, boy. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. Man. You jumped up and.
2: That's Austin awesome, Mason. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who
1: spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but up. I'm feeling sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name. One, Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown.
0: That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously I quacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here.
1: And this time it's field on the carry watch out! Justin Fields. Hello! Come on, 51 yards. Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head with me?
2: I am. Gotta get All my popcorn hard. out here. Hold on. Oh, no
0: got to continue. I know, got to, got to, got to. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about.
1: Our apologies to Kirk Street, and the time will get to re- soon. And from that rooming in Austin, I'm Felix Marks. Good night, and good luck. It is 9 p.m. Eastern Time, the most American of time zones. That means it's time for the Deputy Debate, brought to you by campusdecanton.com Austin Nace, Matt Bruning, Chris Moxley, all here, and I'm Felix Sharp on a partisan version of tonight's show. Who has the most to prove in an absolutely loaded Week 4 slate in college football? We discuss players who have moved in our rankings and what to make of Luther Burden's really, really hot start uh, to the 2023 college football season, but I want to start with this, Chris, and I'm going to throw this question to you. It's the question, the title question on the on the uh, on the thumbnail of the YouTube show today. By the way, go to YouTube.com, like this video, subscribe to the channel. We're trying to get to 2,000 subscribers uh, here during the college football season. Quint Ewers or Shadur Sanders, Chris Moxley. Now, let me. G- I know you've got your own statistics as a lifelong uh, Colorado Buffaloes fan. I want to give you uh, some of my own. Um and the last, let's just look at the last two seasons. This season for Shador, obviously just three games in. 70% of his completing 78% of his uh of his passes, 10 touchdowns, one interception, 9.2 yards per attempt. Last year at Jackson State completed 70% of his passes, 40 touchdowns, six interceptions, 7.7 yards per attempt. So he's actually um his completion percentage is up, his yards per attempt is up, uh, and he is on pace to have a similar touchdown interception ratio. Quinn Ewers, on the other hand, 2023, 2023, this season, completing 60% of his passes, eight touchdowns, no interceptions, 8.3 yards per attempt. In 2022, he completed just 58% of his passes. So he's up 2% there, 15 touchdowns, six interceptions, 7.4 yards per attempt. Chris Moxley, I feel like this should be unanimous, but go ahead. Uh, Shador Sanders or Quinn Ewers.
3: I, I assume we're talking about the NFL projection, mostly because you know we're we're a Devi show. So I I'll I'll start there. Um I still think it's Quinn Ewers, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna if, if this clip goes out, I'm gonna get in a lot of trouble. Um Shadur Sanders is playing extremely well. With Sean Lewis, and I think a lot of that is Sean Lewis. I think you can attribute his a good chunk of his success to the scheme because when he does not have that receiver or that play or whatever the pre-designed, um, you know, uh, read is, he's terrible. He sits, spends way too long in the pocket. Twenty-five percent of his uh, of pressures that he's faced this year. Are well, so he's faced pressure twenty five percent of the time. Forty of those out of one hundred sixty one, or forty out of I'm all over the place with these stats. Forty out of fifty six were self inflicted pressures. Not not on his line, and his line is not very good. I'll I'll give you that. But he's holding the ball way too long. He's indecisive decision making. He's not getting the ball out either, and it, like just to throw it away. He he's just holding it and holding it, and it's so. I think it's a processing question at that point, or like the ability to extend plays because he's not very athletic. So you're seeing all these post, I think, play call issues line up. And so that gives me an indication that Sean Lewis is really helping him out in that aspect. Queen Ewers has like a 10% yes. pressure, rate. I want to hear, like it, none of hear them, this. None, this of, the, none of that is his fault. Um, he has point, what is it, 0.7 seconds less to throw per play. And I don't think he's been great this year, but I thought I still think the his prospect profile is really good. And like, I still buy into what Queen Ewers is. I think, I think if you put Queen Ewers in Colorado and you switch Shadir Sanders to Texas, equally productive or more so. The like guy
1: Matthew, I, Matthew, are you going to stick up for your boy? Not 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 going to matter all right
0: let me let me take oh that. no Austin Austin left you go first yeah I'm looking up stats so go ahead I want to back my argument up so you go first well, and I'll, I'll, I'll go next
1: the one thing that Shador Sanders has been that Quinn Ewers is not is consistent and that is what I like in a quarterback is consistency. We can say that you know they're facing off coverage, he's hitting open receivers, but he's hitting them. He's completing damn near 80% of his passes. And we saw in that first game they took the most deep shots. I think in that TCU game, they took a lot of deep shots in there, and some of them were dropped. He's not just completing the low A dot throws; he's being accurate on some of the deeper throws. Also, the one-on-one opportunities that they get for Xavier Weaver and Travis Hunter. Now,
3: is he throwing? Like, that's fair. That's fair. I,
1: I don't, I don't necessarily think so. But he has been consistent. I've always said on this show, I want quarterbacks that are going to make free throws, make layups, and have the ability to hit the occasional three-pointer. I don't think Quinn Ewers is a player that can hit. He misses layups. He misses dunks. He misses free throws. When are we going to start making, stop making excuses for Quinn Ewers? And I'm looking at my my rankings here. I'm like, why is there so much of a difference between these two? The thing that if you just saw these guys play, and you weren't aware of their recruiting pedigree, and they just had on black helmets with no jersey, with no numbers, with no names on the back of them. You would pick Shadur Sanders. You would. The thing that is holding up Quint Ewers is recruiting pedigree and the fact that we've kind of anointed Sark as a Lincoln Riley type where you have to have his quarterback. But he hasn't lived, he's been more. He's been more uh, 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 Spencer Rattler than Caleb Williams, Quint Ewers has. So these guys are not infallible, even when you have a highly touted and decorated recruit go to an offensive mastermind. Shador Sanders has been consistent. Now, again, has he made any throws that – I'm like, oh, that's an NFL throw. Not necessarily, but he's been consistent where Quint Ewers hasn't. So Matthew is going to tell you why you should still be high.
0: on nope. Stats didn't back my argument, so we're not talking about those now. <laughs> I was going to go. I, I dove into Nick's stats on the defense. I'll just go ahead and read them because I was curious. I don't believe. According to to, to Nick's at, at, at C2C winning edge, Nebraska and TCU's defense is still rated fairly highly, which I I find a little bit interesting, but he has them as the 42nd FBS for a Nebraska TCU 39th, and then Colorado State 78th, Rice is 112th, which I think we all expected that would be the worst defense out of all the ones played, uh, then Alabama for Wyoming 7th. I don't disagree at all with, with Quinn Ewers not being consistent. He hasn't. As a matter of fact, we talked about this last week. What did I say I was worried about with that Wyoming game was that Quinn Ewers was going to go back to being the guy we saw in week one against Rice and not the guy. The, no, the, week, the guy that we've
1: seen in every other game yeah, except when, the two in, against Alabama. When,
0: when he doesn't play Alabama, he seems to be mediocre at best. I'm not going to disagree with that. And I agree with you on the fact that Shador Sanders has been by far more consistent. The stats show that. But he doesn't have any NFL attributes. He just doesn't. I'm not I'm not trying to say that that it he's going to get drafted. I think he's probably, my opinion, more likely a like round four guy, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes day two, Shador Sanders. And I think he could be a very good backup quarterback. In the NFL, like I think he has a chance to be on a roster for a very long time. So I think he is good. But we've seen, and I think Mox mentioned this last week when we talked Sanders, it's like, this offense, all it does is produce numbers and these great stats for all these quarterbacks and how many of them have actually succeeded into the NFL. The one thing I will say is I think Shador is better than Henan Hooker, Bryce Petty, all those guys in that line. I think Sanders is by far the best out of all of those. Always, Trevor. But Quinn actually says, has... Matthew is staying flexible. Quinn Ewers has whether he whether someone can get it out of him or not is still a think I think a very is a question you can ask. And I don't know that we're ever going to get this answer, but he has NFL attributes. Well, you have to answer, or it. just
1: doesn't. So you're, so you're choosing Quinn, right?
0: Yes. Oh, yeah. Let me because tell you at the end of the day, what well, this is going to sound like I'm throwing shade at you, and I promise you I'm not. It wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be. If he ends up, even if he ends up going in round two, he's going to have more value for you moving forward than Shador will when he hits the NFL. Quinn will. It's it, like what you've brought up with Zach Wilson. All that mattered is that he got drafted as the second overall player. If you didn't think he was good at that point, you could have moved him for a ton because people did think he was going to be as he went to overall, right? Two or three, whatever. So if Quinn gets that draft capital, he's going to get drafted before Shador. Wait, did you if he say doesn't, day two? Are you conceding? Are you conceding no, no, that no, he's I not a first-round even, pick? You just no, said no, day no. two. He's, even if he goes day two, he's getting drafted ahead of Shador. He's going to be valued more. If Shador Sanders gets drafted above Quinn Ewers, it is September 20th at 812 Central Time, and I'll be happy, honestly, if this happens. I will retire. I will sell my shares to the highest if, bidder for campus to can, if, and I will if retire. what? If before Shador right Sanders gets drafted before Quinn Ewers. <laughs> if Shador Sanders uh, gets drafted before Quinn Ewers next year, I will show you. In, the chat, my,
1: my in the chat, who gets drafted first, Quinn Ewers or Shador Sanders? I think you guys, I think what you guys are doing with Quinn Ewers is you are propping up Drew Locke. You're propping up Mitchell Trubisky. These guys who but have first have- round Drew Locke will win in the second round. These guys who have yeah. first who have first round ability, but not first round anything else. Shador yeah. Sanders might not have first-round like physical traits, but that's why I compared him to uh, Hendon Hooker last week. Hendon Hooker doesn't have outstanding physical traits, but he played the game well. What does that do for you,
3: though? He doesn't doesn't do anything.
0: He wouldn't have got drafted in the first round, even if he didn't blow his knee out. That's our point. Like, look, nobody is sitting here telling you that Quinn Ewers is is Caleb Williams. Like you said, he's closer to Spencer Rattler. Dude, 85% of the college football quarterback landscape is closer to Spencer Rattler than they are Caleb Williams. Nobody's Nobody's that close to Caleb Williams. Nobody is. But Quinn Ewers has a much better shot of getting first-round draft capital than Shador does. And in the game that we play of fantasy, that's all that matters because you're going to have Matt Bruning's in your league that when he gets drafted in the 20th, whatever, next year, and they're going to be, oh, he's going to be the starting quarterback for this team, Matt Bruning will go buy Quinn Ewers because he still believes in him. You're not going to, nobody's going to go buy Shador when he gets drafted in the third or fourth round, and it's going to be a backup quarterback for someone like Hendon Hooker was. I think that's what me and Mox are saying.
3: Death i'll also taxes. concede
1: and matthew taking my comparison to the most literal point he does this in the slack uh, you know. it frustrates me to no end
3: makes good uh, makes for austin a good
1: your internet is now working do you have an opinion please speak some reason into this and you've also been i think i've been a lifelong uh colorado buffaloes fan so maybe you
2: uh i don't really have any thoughts on this because we've talked about it the past two weeks so I'm, I'm i'm good to move on here
1: you don't have any thoughts on okay whatever give me shador give me shador
2: what do you, i actually think the more interesting topic to talk about tonight would be did you hear that dion i think came out today and said that his son doesn't intend on entering the draft this year he intends on entering yeah. next year which i actually think is yeah. kind of smart surprise but
0: yeah i agree
2: not because he like you know whatever. I don't know if he's going to get better in the next year or whatever, but no Caleb Williams next year is nice. No Drake May I'll, either.
3: I'll bet that. Well, I'll do a tattoo bet that Queenie Rose goes <laughs> earlier in the draft this year than Trudier Sanders.
2: You need help.
3: <laughs> Stop. You need help. I'll get a. No I'll get a Colorado bets. Buffalo logo.
0: Logo. Hey. He he's made it work. He's made it work so far. So I, I like my odds. I'm, I'm I'm starting to even agree more with Moxie. Witch doctor stuff. Austin
1: doesn't want to touch the Shador Sanders topic with a 10-foot pole. That's what's happening here. Housekeeping, the morning show on Saturday mornings. Uh, We're having a lot of fun there. We're actually getting a lot of good viewership. Better Sports is producing the tailgate this year. Uh, Will Chudy is producing. We got commercial breaks. We got music. We got everything. And I think I'm going to be hosting this week. I'm going to be hosting this week. So there's going to be chaos this morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. So come by, stop by, and hang out with us as we get you ready for the college football slate. Really like no one else can. Because legacy media, they're always team-focused, head coach-focused. And our uh, shows, family of shows, including the tailgate on Saturday mornings, is really player-focused. Because if you are just tuning in for the first time, that is what we do around here. We're playing fantasy football with these guys, Shadora Sanders, Quentin Ewers, all the guys that we're talking about today. We're playing college fantasy football with them, and then when they declare for their their NFL draft, they are added to our NFL fantasy rosters. So our content is really player-focused, and we're trying to project who has the best chance at NFL success. That's really what we do around here at Campus to Canton. Help us get to 2,000 YouTube subscribers. If you like this content, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and like this video. What should Colorado, the expectations be for Colorado for the for the remainder of the season? Austin, I hope I can throw this one to you. They've got Alton McCaskill coming in. Uh, they've got two big games here back-to-back at Oregon and then USC at home. I kind of want to go to that USC game Arizona State is like in shambles with injuries I think that they have a chance to win that one they have a chance to win Stanford they have a chance to win UCLA Arizona then they I mean the Pac-12 is actually really good this year we didn't think that this team was a bowl team coming into the season I mean a lot of
0: us no 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 someone said they would make a bowl game and someone on the other bottom on the bottom row not named Matt Bruning Said that that would be, I don't remember the exact wording he used, but almost a miracle if they made a bowl game this year. Cause I said it was, ha- it was going to happen. So I just don't want to be looped in with everybody here. The do real, lose- on day one, Colorado Buffs fan was this guy saying they were making a bowl game this year.
1: I've been favorite? a lifelong Colorado Buffalo yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah. So I don't even life-long know
0: Lifelong for it's the been past a- three months.
1: Austin, do you see that miracle happening?
2: I'd like to first address the accusation in the chat. I Someone said I changed my shirt when I had my... I did not change my shirt. This is the same shirt I was wearing. I'm not sure this guy... Whoever said that's an idiot. So, uh, Mike Valerie. Um, I I don't understand where that came from. Uh, Colorado expectations. Uh, I am interested... McCaskill just got the the non-contact jersey off this week. Is that usually an indicator that it's going to happen like now... We think maybe he needs another week or two. He hasn't played football in a pretty long time. I, I, But this it's also surprised me how long it's taken for him to be ready. So maybe they were just really making sure. I, I honestly don't know. I do think they need him pretty badly. They, they haven't run the ball effectively really much at all um, through the course of the season. I think that would help take a little pressure off the passing game. Um, I, I think, I don't know, you said they're not going to have a problem with UCLA. I think UCLA is a... No, no, team. I didn't.
1: I said they got they. I said they could beat UCLA, but that's no the 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 next like cupcake on their team is Arizona State. Yeah, um, and then they might they might have you know the, the Arizona the, the two Arizona teams might be games if they win, but the pac I said the pack twelve the pack twelve is is kind of loaded this year.
2: Yeah, I mean I don't know what the score is going to be this weekend, but I think it's probably going to be pretty bad. No Travis Hunter, yeah. so someone will clip that one. You know if and when it's wrong, but no no Travis Hunter, um Oregon. It has a lot more speed on the back end. I, I think they'll be able to rush four and just get the Shador all day. I think there's a lot of games left that are going to be really ugly. Um, but I do think they'll beat Arizona State. I think that was one that we'd kind of circled as a possibility before the season. Um, Arizona's an interesting one. I I think the problem with a game like Arizona is Arizona can score with them. Mm-hmm. And we said before, like you either got to be able to get home with four and drop to defend them or you just got to be able to put up 60. I think Arizona could put up 60 with them. So I think that'll be an interesting game too. I don't know. I still think it's going to be tough for them to get the six wins. I I still do. Um, Not to, to discount them. um, But I I do think it's going to be, I mean, they almost lost this weekend to to Colorado state. I'm wondering uh, really after that first game, I think teams have kind of figured them out a little bit overall. I mean, Nebraska lost because Jeff Sims can't handle a snap uh, or, you know, lost, lost by that scoreline. I mean, I think, I think some of these games might get a little ugly. Yeah.
1: Well, we, I mean, we, talk, I, I don't know if it was on this show or on Waldman's show, but I talked about the fact that, I mean, how many, how often were we seeing defenses rush three against Colorado? And then one of the reasons why that Colorado State game was so close is num, uh, Colorado's number eight, Kamara, he had two sacks in that game, it was kind of a, dis, a disruptive force. And you see what you can do to this team. If you have a pass rusher, if you have some athletic guys who can get around the edge, I mean, I would expect, I don't know. I don't know why I'm spitting on myself. Um, I would by expect the way, that they would <laughs> go ahead. by the
2: way, noted tape guy, Mike Valor went back and checked the tape. This is the
1: same shirt I was wearing. Thank you, Mike. Um, they're going to have other teams that they play against that have better pass rusher, better pass pass rushes. So, um, Let's see what happens when they can rush four or get home uh, you know, on blitzes. Chris, what are your expectations for Colorado the rest of the season? Is this a team I mean, they're three and zero. They only got to win three more games to go bowling.
3: I think it's more likely they go six and six than they do five and seven. But I struggle to find a seventh win for them. Um, so like I, I think Arizona State is a win and I think Arizona is Possibly a loss, and I think Stanford is probably a win. But I don't think that they can really hang in the other games. The the thing about early season success for Colorado was that they're healthy. The depth of this team is, frankly, terrible. They're they're starting 11 on each side is pretty good. But when you get to that second unit on, on almost every position, it's really worrisome. So, yes, they're healthy now, but now they're down Travis Hunter. When injuries start to accumulate, like they do for every team in the country, you're going to see this unit exposed. And so down the stretch I think it could get ugly. I think if you get you stay healthy through Arizona State and Stanford, you're probably looking at six. That is currently my expectation.
1: I would give them the benefit of the doubt at the at their home games. And so their home games uh, the remaining the remainder of the season are USC, Stanford, Oregon State and Arizona. They finish on, on the road. Uh, back-to-back weeks, Washington State and Utah. So, Matthew?
0: Yeah, I, I think they definitely get to six. I think they easily get to five. Arizona State, I mean, they're on, what, their fifth-string quarterback, it feels like. like they, I don't think they've they're got really any. so bad. Any, yeah, they, they've already lost multiple offensive linemen, too. I don't think there's any shot they have a chance to stay in it. I think that they're better than Stanford, so I think they win that one, even if it's a close game. So then you're just looking for that one more win. Because I, I agree with Chris. I think it's hard to find seven. The one that's interesting to me is Oregon State, and I like Oregon State. Thinking
2: the same thing stylistically.
0: Yeah, like I think if the defense can slow Colorado down, then Oregon State has a chance to win it. But if they can't, I don't know that DJU and that offense can keep up with them. So if they're able to score enough points, I think that's actually the one that maybe they sneak away with and it's not Arizona because I I agree with what Austin said. Like I think Arizona will match them point for point. So maybe that comes down to kind of like the TCU game, like whoever's got the ball last wins. And if it's Colorado, then they end up winning it. Maybe that's how they get to seven. I would find it very hard that they don't get to six. Cause I really think Arizona state and Stanford are lock wins at this point. So they've just got to pull one of those games out. We've seen, I don't think it's Oregon or USC, I don't think it's UCLA because I do think UCLA is a really good team. But, like, honestly, after them, like, I think they could. If we don't get rising back, again, I know Utah's defense is good. I don't know if that offense can keep up if Shador and them are able to put up points. So, like, I think Utah could be at Washington State. I really don't think that great. So, I think they could get any one of those bottom four games outside of UCLA. So,
3: All they need is one to go bowling. I think they will. I make the spread in everything, but I, I just checked. Uh, everything but Arizona over two touchdowns for the other team. So, like, I don't think those games are going to be particularly close. Hey, I actually hey, to Oregon State's one, like, 17.
2: Where, where's the – is there a place – is it for ESPN Plus members only where I can look at post-game win expectancy? Is that an SP thing?
3: Uh thing? Actually, Bill Connolly has it available on a – google sheet that you can go to his profile for and i actually think nick has it in his database as well I'd okay I, i'd be
2: inter- i'd be interested to see what their post game what expectancy actually was for the tcu and the colorado state games because they're they're three and over and that's the other thing they're three and oh right now i would say be, if you're being generous lost. and like they probably should be you know they two mean. and one they probably should have lost one of colorado like that that's also something at the factory are they on the good side of you know a little bit of uh luck right now and then if that flips what what's that look like i think that would be an
0: interesting thing to look at I have to go see if i can find that. I'd, I'd rather have some luck than no luck at all like it matters i mean you know they're still three and oh
2: oh it definitely matters but i mean i think you know if you're getting luck now who, yeah, i don't know if you're going to get that all season it doesn't always necessarily work out that way it usually evens out by the end
1: lots of people in boulder going to these games but they don't have coordinated chance like you would see at Florida State, Michigan, Ohio State. You need to have a more intimidating presence as a fan base uh, there in Boulder. Um, You can try your luck on prize picks. Use promo code C2C for a deposit match of up to $100. We actually go through um, some suggested player props to play on Saturdays on the tailgate. So if you want to tune in, we will give you some particular plays. Somebody that has been um, getting play all year is Luther Burden. Now I've been critical of Luther Burden, but you look at his statistics on the season, 22 receptions, 327 yards, um, 3 touchdowns. He only has one carry on the season, which is odd to me. Missouri is actually 3 and 0. Two games over uh, 100 yards, one game at 96 yards. I mean, he's he is balling. He is balling. Uh, I don't Chris, what are your thoughts on Luther Burden here in year 2?
3: I think you have to be encouraged. Uh, so I'll preface everything with saying this, that the Eli Drinkwitz slot receiver is like one of the mo- like it's kind of a hack that people aren't aware of, but he's been an offensive coordinator for a long time for uh, App State and then now Missouri. But I mean, t- some of the guys that he's produced have been really, really productive players. Like Jacoby Myers when he was at NC State, Thomas Hennigan at App State. You go even further back in 2015, Thomas Spurbeck at Boise State, who actually holds the Boise State all-time receiving record. So this is a guy who feeds his slot receivers. 2020, 13% of the time he's coming out of the slot. That's mostly dominant club at position. 2023, 85%. So you've seen a massive jump in his... Uh, his slot usage, and I think it's a totally different role that he's playing. He's able to get open deep, which we weren't seeing previously, and I think that's the big thing. His eight-out has actually dropped almost a full yard. That doesn't concern me as much because I think you're seeing better separation. Downfield, I think Austin talked about this on one of the shows he was on earlier this week as well, of like, he is at least doing it, whether or not it's resulting in... Um, targets or catches i see him doing it and, and potentially because he's coming out of the slot that's probably part of it but that's not a bad utilization for luther burden like i think he could be a slot player and like a really effective one so i i'm very encouraged so the a dot
2: is a little bit lower because as felix mentioned they're not handing him the ball anymore they're using him as more of an ex- like if they're going to use him as like yeah. an extension of the running game they're they're kind of tossing it you know behind the line of scrimmage to him kind of swinging it out letting him go from there um, uh, I've dug through cause I wrote about him, like you said, and for the key takeaway stuff and did that show this week, he's actually this year, if you compare him to kind of some of the years of like LaVisca Chenault, Rondell Moore, some of kind of like those slot after the catch guys you want to highlight, he's actually getting more targets downfield than either of them were in the intermediate or deep. And he's converting a larger percentage than either of those guys did. They're just because they're using him a little bit as kind of that extension of the run game. If you actually go and look, I looked at about seven or eight different players. The guy that he actually matches the closest to in terms of usage this year that I looked at is Agmet Gagbuka from last year. Very similar sh- uh, behind the line of scrimmage slash short splits. Very similar intermediate and long splits. And he's been about similarly effective. He's making more guys miss than on a per-touch basis than Chenault, Moore, any of those guys were when he's catching it short. So, and he's not, it's not contested stuff deep. He's only had two contested targets deep. So I don't think, I think the, the Chanel Moore prototype is not what he's been doing this year. It's a lot closer to Agmeca. And actually, he really, in terms of target percentage, in terms of distance, matches almost exactly what Juju Smith-Schuster did his uh, next to last year in college. Juju just didn't play out of the slot as much as he did.
1: This is what I want, he is getting deep. However, he's getting deep on defenses that are coming up to play that stuff that he does in the flat. And so it's a smart way to use him, but in that sense, he is still being used similarly to LaVisca Chenault, similarly to uh, Rondale Moore. And that, that usage is not something that we can guarantee at the next level. He is not being used the way we would see a traditional X or slot wide receiver B. I don't know which, what we're going to call him at the next level, if he's a slot wide receiver or if he's an X. He's definitely not being used as a traditional X. He's not lining up in the boundary you know, with a safety over the top of him playing against press coverage and running a route and getting open. He's not doing that. He is getting a lot of manufactured touches. I don't think anybody here would disagree with that. Oh, Austin just said the stuff behind the line of scrimmage. And yes, he is getting deep, but he is getting deep there, there was a play, I think, in week one. It was Tripp's bunch. He had already caught a bunch of these short passes. It looked like he was just going to, like, block for another wide receiver. He gets deep. He gets open deep. Like, that's that's the defense playing whatever it is that they did. That's, that's setting up play action all game. That's setting up, you know, they've been setting that stuff up. Uh, and is he, that, and he is gets, that not that,
2: what a smart OC is supposed to do? though? that's I mean, exactly got that is of, exactly exactly
1: what a week. smart OC is supposed mm-hmm. to do. All I'm saying is, is that he is not being used like a like like a traditional slot wide receiver, like a traditional X, if that's what you want to call him. It doesn't mean that he cannot be used that way. I saw a play from Puka Nakua uh, on Sunday. They, were, they ran crossers. Everybody runs crossers all the time. They ran crossers against zone. Crossers against zone, you sit in front of the quarterback's face. Crossers against man, you keep going running away from your coverage. I don't see um, Luther Burden making those types of decisions on a route-to-route basis. Just don't. That doesn't mean that he can't. Just don't mean that I don't see it. So some of the concerns that I had about him being kind of like a gadget guy, I still have those concerns. Except for Drinkwitz is using is doing an excellent job of using him as a gadget guy. That's that's it. So that's – like if, if you could guarantee me that he's going to be used like Jarvis Landry in, in Miami, sign, sign me up for that all day. 100 catches, his yards after the catch ability. He's built like a running back. He runs after the catch like a – and somebody said in the chat that he looks more explosive this year. I actually agree with that. Um, but he is being used like a gadget guy just very very effectively in my opinion. Matthew Godman's somebody.
3: No, okay. I was going to say he actually reminds me of the way that Maryland used DJ Moore at the end of his career there. G- with a lot I, of like I've made that hurt. I've
1: made that comp too, yeah. yeah.
3: Like I don't think that's a bad like, I actually think that's a pretty good comp and I mean G- Juju is is kind of similar. Come well, on. Their deployments pretty different. But I, like he reminds me of the way that they're deploying him so much like dj Moore type stuff and like as a south carolina family like, i thought it was debo-esque too um so like that's the the type of player that i see and that's a successful archetype but it it, it is an untraditional archetype of of receiver like, it's one that takes a very specific skill set to succeed and i think Burton has that
1: but, but it also takes a vision from your offensive play caller to use them in that certain way like I think Debo has taken a hit a little bit on his value since he. I don't know if it was a year and a half or, or so ago. Oh, no, he's not taking a hit he's, on his value. He's not
0: taking any hit on his value. People value him very highly still.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. As consensus wise, I mean, maybe yeah. if you're holding him, you're uh, valuing him. But yeah, All right. yeah, he's dropped pretty considerably. I, I thought so too. But Matthew, do you any? Do you want to finish this conversation? Any thoughts? Yeah, on yeah. Luther, can I? Or, can I? Yeah. Can I do an impression for st- you really quick? Can you do an impression?
0: Hey. It doesn't matter what you think. That's what The Rock would say to you there, Felix Sharp. Because at the end of the day, we are a fantasy show. And you may be right. Maybe he is gadgety and it's not going to matter. Maybe he is LaVisca Chennault, Rondale Moore, who hasn't panned out in the NFL. That's why people listen to us. Because you know what? He's still going to put up the stats. And people who aren't paying attention are going to look at him and be like, dude, look at this guy balling out at Missouri. He's athletic. You know he's going to test well when it comes to the Combine. It's probably going to get first. All the things out. that we knew about Rondell Moore and Lavisca yes. Chenault, all the so, same arguments could be made. That's right, sweetie. Let me finish. So, at the end of the day, if you think he's going to be Lavisca Chenault, then when we get to that point, we tell you to sell him. We're not telling you that you may be wrong on him being gadgety, but it does matter what he's doing. This is exactly what Nate Marquise. Chris Moxley, pretty sure Austin Nace, and Matt Bruning have been telling you guys all offseason was going to happen with the coaching changes that they made at Missouri with Luther Burton. And that, for us, is all that matters because he's balling out for you on the C2C side of things. If he gets first-round draft capital, if you think he's going to be LaVisca Chenault and Ronday Moore not Debo or Buka, then you move him. And that's why you win when you listen to us because we're giving you all of that. You're winning on your campus side because you listen to Chris Moxley, Nate Marquise, Austin, Nathan, Matt Browning, and not Felix Sharp. But then when you listen to Felix Sharp later and move him because he's LaVisca Chanel, you win there because you get high-end value for him and he ends up not panning out.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, let's move on here. Uh, another player that is having a really good comeback season. I don't know if we want to call them that. Tyler Van Dyke and the Miami Hurricanes, they're 3-0, and uh, including a – they kind of they didn't boat race Texas AM, but Texas AM couldn't stop them defensively. Tyler Van Dyke completing 76% of his passes, ATDs to one interception, only been sacked twice. Got three wide receivers with more than 15 receptions. This is a guy back when he was battling with Jake Garcia and behind D. Eric King. I was like, this guy has the juice. He had it in 2021, didn't have it in 2020, had it in 2021 with um, Rhett Lashley. Didn't have it in 2022 with Josh Gaddis. Who could have seen that coming? And he seems to have recaptured some of that magic uh, with Shannon Dawson at the helm. By the way, I saw a picture. Is Shannon Dawson white? Does it, like I thought, I had thought all along that Shannon Dawson was a black guy. and Then I saw no. him on the sideline, and I was like, "Is okay." Well, we'll yes, we will maybe. confirm. Pretty We're going to sure do some. Re- pretty sure he's. We're going to do some reporting. I thought he was a black dude. And so I can tell you he's not black.
3: I can tell you that much.
1: That I assume that he was black. Shannon Dawson. No, that, I, that's that is spotlight. not the
3: case. Anyway,
1: uh, I was actually disappointed to find out. No, no offense, but I thought I thought I was cheering for a black uh, OC over there. <laughs> um, anyway, I, and I, I was actually I was heartbroken when I saw this. I'm just being honest. Sorry, I'm just being i just being oh honest. i not even oh Um, we'll, we'll edit this out. We'll edit this part out. Uh, Chris Moxley, Miami, Tyler Van Dyke, are they back?
3: Uh, I think they are certainly more back than they were last year. I, I actually have been really impressed with Tyler Van Dyke. I watched their game against Bethune Cookman uh, last week, and he was hitting, like, all the throws. Uh, I mean, he he was hurt last year. So, like, I think that's a little bit part of it, but also Josh Gaddis is, like, this, like, malevolent influence on any offense that he coaches. Big-time throw rate is three times higher. Adjusted completion percentage is up from 75.8 to 86%. That is insane. His ADOT is essentially the same. It's a little bit lower, but I think that they're scheming up easy throws for him. And when he takes shots deep, he can. They're utilizing their receiver speed extremely well, which is something that they weren't doing last year. Like this is a fast team. And so I think they're doing a or last year they were doing him a disservice of not stretching the field and and like getting like he's aggressive, an aggressive quarterback. Like let him cook downfield. And I I think they this is a really good match between Dawson and Van Dyke. And the offense has every reason to be excited because they, they performed really well against Texas A&M like really well. I was super impressed. Cause I think that team is, Texas A&M team is pretty good. So yeah, I they're back at least for this William
1: year. Asks, William asked William asked a question in the chat. That's actually a good question. He said, what constitutes, he didn't say what I'm translating for him. He says, what is back? What constitutes back? I mean, I think that means is, can they compete in the ACC? You got Florida state, Clemson, Okay. Um, in North Carolina, can they compete with Clemson? Uh, maybe, maybe this year. Can they compete I mean, with? I Florida think they can beat Clemson may, this year. May, I, they, I think they can compete with all of those teams. There's not like a dominant. I mean, we saw on Saturday with Florida State playing Boston College, albeit you know with the weather and in their place. But I mean, that was a close game. I don't think that there's no team in the country, other than Washington, that is just going. To, is just looks unbeatable. Why I don't think I don't think Washington, Washington might not lose a game this year. And I, 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 go ahead, Mox.
3: No, I was just gonna say, I think that there's a chance they could beat FSU and Clemson, and I, I certainly would yeah. rate them over North Carolina right now. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm really excited, honestly. I, I really like what I've seen from Van Dyke, and I really like what I've seen from this offense. It's aggressive. Um, but it also plays his strengths as a quarterback. and I mean, last year's offense obviously did not do that. But two years ago, it did with Lashley. So I will say that they are back in so far that they can contend for the ACC and that Tyler Van Dyke looks like a good quarterback again. That's back yeah, enough. And and
1: our friend Andy Starr from the um, Andy, I forget. John does. Andy, forgive me. John does so many podcasts that I forget we'll which one you're on with them Full it tilt. is the full tilt. It is a full tilt the Debbie podcast. Uh he says, does Xavier Shrepro uh have NFL value? I mean, a lot of these successful slot wide receivers have some sort of NFL value, albeit on day three, from you know, from Hunter Renfro to uh Cole Beasley to you know guy. Well, who's I always forget the Alabama wide receiver who played over JoJo Earl and yeah, Slade Bold. He got drafted by what? The um the Baltimore Ravens. So no, no, no. I think it was the Ravens. I'm pretty sure it was the I think he's on the Ravens team, I think. Slade Bolden. Somebody check me on that. Just the, It just feels like comments.
3: a Patriots draft pick.
1: It does so feel like signed, a
3: Patriots draft pick. He was signed, he was signed it, by the Ravens, you're right. Does he remind you of thought, any yeah. other, other players? <laughs> Julian Edelman, <laughs> <like> Wes Welker? <laughs>
1: Xavier Restrepo? <laughs> yeah, i just curious. <laughs> what are you trying to say? There's a big race theme in today's show. Uh, it's Austin's reason. favorite. Uh, it is Austin's favorite. That's why he's so tall. Everything's uh, race tonight. Uh, uh, Austin, who's the QB three after Caleb Williams and Drake May? Uh
2: good question. I don't think there is one. Still, is that crazy?
1: There has to be one. You have come with an answer. There's going to be a third quarterback drafted. Well, drafted. Sure. I mean, somebody. I still think. Uh, so here, here's why
2: everyone's saying. You know, this is kind of the year of the quarterback. In college, if you go and look at a lot of the guys that is that are succeeding across college this year, they're fifth or sixth year guys that have that COVID year under their belt, and they probably sat for a street year. We're talking, you know, Jaden Daniels, talking Bo Nicks, we're talking Penix, we're talking, you know, pretty much all those the, those kind of guys have been in college for so long. They're very experienced. It's like dropping a NFL backup into college and, and kind of letting them cook. So... I don't feel great about the projectability of any of those guys. I think the bucket that you're talking about is, I don't know, I mean, yours, McCarthy. I think if you want to toss Shador in there, that's fine. I don't think any of them are day one players, which is kind of just why I'm not sure I really care. I mean, maybe Michael Pratt. I don't know. We we, We got that one really good game on him, and he's been injured this year. So, you know, what's he look like when he comes back? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think there's... A, a, a great uh, other name in here.
1: I think that there's a chance that Jalen Hurts and Kenny. Um, who's your what's your Pittsburgh quarterback? Kenny Pickett. Okay. Kenny Pickett. I think, but because Jalen Hurts was a fifth-year sen- senior All-Star, or was he only a, a fourth-year senior? Uh, Regardless, he was a, he was a senior. What I'm saying is, is that I think that they may have changed the mold on this thing a little bit, where you have would have wanted. A quarterback to really declare after the third year, make sure the NFL is like demanding that they come, they come to the league. But we've seen guys stick around in college. In those two, and then Hertz was four. He was a four-year. He was a four-year. Okay, Kenny Pickett was a fifth year. But, um, but we've seen we've seen them command draft cap. Not only command draft capital, but like play well. I think that there's a chance that the NFL may not. May I don't know. But may not care if you stuck around for your fifth year, maybe even your sixth, if you are playing at an exceptional level. And both Michael Pennage Jr. and uh, Bo Nix have been playing at an exceptional level for the last two years. I think it's going to be like, if you kind of know what you're getting with those two. I, I think it would be hard if you are a considering quarterback in the NFL draft, you're going to go with like Michael Pennage Jr. or Bo Nix or, or, Quint Ewers or Kyle McCord. I kind of think that you're going to go with the 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 players who you've seen their ceiling. Um, I, I think the quarterback three is Michael Penix Jr. Matthew. Who do you who do you have? That I mean, that's the question posed. Who's the quarterback?
0: I would. I find it hard to think it's going to be Penix. Maybe because I'm just so worried about the medicals and how that's going to pan out. Like I, I don't disagree with what you said about him and Bo Nix. But what we've seen these NFL teams do, in my opinion, more often in the top picks, which I think is where QB3 is going to go, they're going for a guy that they haven't seen the ceiling on. Like Kenny Pickett didn't go in the top 12. He went later on to the Steelers because they knew what they were getting and they felt like they needed a quarterback. When you saw guys like Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and these guys go that we know – aren't exactly polished prospects, but you think the ceiling is way up here. They're taking them because all these NFL head coaches have this ego that I can fix this dude. So I still think it's going to end up being like a Quinn Ewers or a JJ McCarthy because they have those NFL tools that you can bet on. I don't know that I'm taking either one of those guys in the top 10, but I think there's a better shot that one of those guys goes ahead of Penix or bone Nix because the NFL coaches, I think will talk themselves into the ceiling being higher, even though we've seen Penix and Bo Nix be more consistent with it, they'll talk themselves into the ceiling being higher. So I would I would go with one of them, personally. And I want to
1: make sure we understand the question that's being posed. Who's QB3? Um, who's QB3? Chris Moxley, who is the quarterback three in this upcoming draft class? He's Chris shakes his head. He
3: shakes his head. He's a, he's I, his elbows in the air. I really do think it's Michael Pratt. I really do. I, I, I got mocked and ridiculed for saying that Pratt had a gr- like a live arm or like a really good arm. And apparently that was the wrong thing to say. And then I-, I think he's made a lot of strides in his mechanics from where he was year one to where he is now. I really do. And I think that was a big question for him. He's a gamer. He's one in. By the way, th-
1: I, unless it's a two lane podcast, there is no podcast that covers all of college <laughs> football. That was talking about my uh, Michael Pratt three years ago, not one, but we were here a lot. So
3: I'm sorry. go ahead, Chris. No, you're, you're right. I, he's the, currently the highest graded quarterback on PFF. Just saying, even though he's played one game, um, I really want him to get another opportunity to like play a really big game this year, because I thought his game against USC, that final drive against USC, where he was like getting first downs with his legs, making great throws. Like I thought that was a classic, like gamer, NFL's gonna, NFL GMs are going to turn that on and be like, "This is the dude we want," and he was hurt on that drive too. I think, if I recall correct, so I, I man, I, I, really still like Michael Pratt, but if it's not Pratt, I think it's going to be Quinn for for what it's worth.
1: When you when you say he's QB three, do you think that there's a do, do you think that there's a chance Michael Pratt is a first round draft pick? Or are you just
3: saying he's going to be the third quarterback drafted? I think there's a chance he's a first round draft pick. I think he's better than what Levis was. And I know Will Levis went in the second round, but Will Levis was like minus five thousand to go in in the first round. It's like the expectation was that he was going to be there. I I don't know Michael Pratt. Like, can you just see a GM falling in love with Michael Pratt? Like, because I can. Like, I can I can see that happening and someone getting obsessed with like who he is, like character wise. Like, he's a quarterback. I mean, he's talked as,
1: as a true freshman. He's got, I mean, he had the upset against USC. He almost upset Caleb Williams. His, his separate, sophomore season? Sophomore his season. sophomore season. That was Spencer in, Rattler. In they, they, yeah, it was against
0: yeah, Spencer that was, Rattler. That was, yeah, yeah, that was Spencer He Rattler. also almost... No, yeah, it wasn't the COVID season. It was his second season, yeah. yeah.
3: But, You're right. I, I, I mean, you've seen him play great in big games. And I think the biggest question on him is mechanics. And I think that he still has a little bit of a way to go. But is he getting the best quarterback coaching at Tulane? I think there's probably more upside there. So I think that a team would say hey we can clean some of this ancillary stuff up if we get him in the building because we think that he's the guy and hey, I, I i kind of buy that
2: if if we're using the argument are they getting the best quarterback training then we got to throw jj mccarthy in the mix because he ain't getting any quarterback training at michigan right now I'll tell you that right now
3: he's and jj you know, mccarthy's played you know, you know, much better than i thought i thought he had for two weeks i think the three interceptions against bowling green now it's like all right it's jj mccarthy
1: Speaking of not two things about Michigan not you know having quarterback coaching, I just came across a Jim Harbaugh um, football card. I was looking for something, and I found a whole Jim Harbaugh. Like the fact that he can't develop a quarterback, the fact that he's going to lose out on the kid from Belleville, who's the number one quarterback in the twenty twenty five class. The fact that he lost out on Dante Moore. I, it's just like any played in the NFL. Like, why can't you develop quarterbacks who, consistently? Who is credit Jim for Andrew
3: Harbaugh. Luck. Andrew,
1: Andrew Luck does. Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck
0: does. <laughs> no, mo- most people actually give that credit to Harbaugh, but it should go to Andrew I was going to say, Luck.
1: it should go to Andrew Luck.
0: He's Honestly, if awkward. I'm going
1: to give him credit
2: for any quarterback that he's had his hands on over his career, it's it's getting a pretty good couple of years out of Ka- Colin Kaepernick. There.
0: I disagree with that. I think that goes all to Greg Roman, because if you look at everywhere that's Greg good. Roman's gone, that's that's, that's, he's that's run his good. quarterbacks that way. I don't think that was Harbaugh at all.
1: What is that kid's name? from Belleville somebody tell me Bryce there's Underwood. a quarterback yeah Bryce Underwood. Underwood yeah Bryce Underwood who's probably going to go to like Alabama or he might go to Colorado as a matter of fact it he's seems like it. he might go he's to not Colorado. he might go to Colorado but Jim like Harbaugh DL's is going good, to baby. it's it's two years in a row where D, where Jim Harbaugh is going to miss out on a quarterback coming from his backyard you know how often you get a top quarterback coming from Michigan it like never happens that should be an automatic Go to Michigan, but it's not because Jim Harbaugh is terrible at developing that position. Where, where is Belleville? Um, Belleville is like a little bit
3: uh, west of Detroit. On, I'm so pretty it's sure it's, it's on 94. It's, it's within like 45 minutes probably of campus.
1: It's within 45 minutes of Ann Arbor. Way within 45 thing, minutes of Ann Arbor. Same thing with, Dante, with, Moore. Dante Moore. Yeah. Dante Moore is just north. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's – Uh. I want to – speaking of not having faith in something. I want to talk about players that we might be moving off of, uh, just you know, down our rankings, moving to faith, trading them away, et cetera. We're going to talk about rankings too, rankings movers. I, I compiled a list here of guys that I was just going to name, but does anybody else have like names that they were already thinking of that I'm just, okay, well, I'll ask. I'm, po- I'm pulling up
2: mine right now. I've got some guys that I've nuked this year, yeah.
1: Well, let me start here because I know that this is one of your favorites in the offseason, Jace McClellan. I feel like that whole Alabama team is down, but you know they're just not getting explosive plays. Jason McClellan, we knew he was the athlete that he was, the way he tested before he tore his ACL. How are you feeling about Jace McClellan?
2: Yeah, not feeling great, but uh, they've also not run the ball well at all this year, which has confused me. We talked a little bit on, about that on Campus Life, I think, this week. They're like, they are having troubles passing the ball but they also can't establish the run with that offensive line. I don't know. Just very confusing to me. I refuse to believe that none of the backs on Alabama are talented enough that you could roll them out there and rack up 250 yards rushing as a team. So, I, yeah, I mean, I I am uh, pretty concerned, um, but I just – it's like I think this whole team is, is not running well right now.
1: I want to – Mox, I think you and I were here on this train for Ty Simpson. I – I think Ty Simpson was placed in a bad situation last week. There's no way that he got starter reps when they put him in that game against USF. He hasn't prepared this season as the starter. And as far as passing, well, I mean, he had the biggest play in that game. I'm not moving off of Ty Simpson. Um, and I'm asking you, Chris, because I think you, were, you <laughs> okay. are also a fan of him. So yeah, I'm not
3: yeah. off of Ty Simpson yet. No, I was a big fan. Uh, I am moving off of him because he's the third quarterback at Alabama, and that tells me that.
2: Not anymore. Saban said today he's the
3: backup. I thought he played okay enough, given that I didn't think he had started reps either. Like, he didn't look great, but he looked better than Tyler Buckner did. Tyler Buckner looked terrible. And so are we going to... I don't know. I don't want to speculate on this show, but, like, the reason that Jalen Milrow didn't play, it's been widely speculated elsewhere that Saban went to him and said, hey, we're going to give Buckner some reps as quarterback one. Yeah. Milrow, like didn't handle that well at all. I and mean, it was basically like dis- disciplinary that he didn't play at all, which I think is kind of interesting to keep an eye on for the rest of the season. Like I've heard that. I think I have like at two or three different places. um, So I, I think mean, that's a little bit, you know, like red flag ish, but I, yeah, I, I'm kind of moving off Simpson. I mean, not where I had because I thought he was going to win the job. I thought he looked better in spring, but there's obviously stuff in practice that we're not seeing that is keeping him um, closely glued to the bench.
2: If a coach told me that and the guy that was the backup went out and performed like that. I mean, yeah, I probably like, and I knew that that was how that dude is about to play. Yeah. I probably would have acted like that too. I'm sorry. I would have. Yeah. I,
3: so, so part of it, I don't remember who said. I might have. I don't want to attribute this to someone wrongly. So, whoever said it, and I don't remember because I listen to like ten CFP shows a week. Basically, said that it's a bit of power struggle between Saban and Tommy Reese for their guy, and that Tommy Reese's guy was Buckner. Um, so it's how I is was Tommy know. Reese's
1: guy Buckner when Sam Hartman transferred to? Notre yeah, Dame, that before
0: that doesn't make sense to me. He recruited Hartman to Notre Dame before he left and went to Alabama.
3: So, yeah, I don't. I, don't, I mean, Reese was the guy who helped recruit Buckner to Notre Dame like first. That, that right? makes
1: sense, but yeah. yeah.
3: So, so, there's been a lot of speculation about like the quarterback room there this week yeah. that has been not positive at all. I just wanted to like throw that out. I've uh, got to if you're
1: 0 if oh, 3, if you're 0 3 Austin and you have Jalen Milro. Um, there's no NFL future. He's a pure CFF guy and a pretty a decent one. So I'm trading Jalen Milrow if I'm zero and three on the college side. That's a question.
2: Sure, um, I guess so. Um, I don't think you'd get a lot for him. That's the problem because I don't think people really value what he's doing. I mean, I think it. I know. I don't want to say that because of these running quarterbacks will just end up like you know, kind of like I never would have guessed that Jalen Hurts would do what he did in the NFL. never never ever would have guessed it. Um so I don't want to say never, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he's at Alabama. A fifth after this round. Year. What, what do we think? I mean, you think he leaves? I, I you think, think somebody else is coming in. To... I wouldn't be surprised if they reshuffle that whole quarterback room. I wouldn't be surprised either. if three or four of those guys are gone yeah. after this year and it's Well, uh, I was actually
1: thinking guys. about this in the car today. I think it's the one that you want is Lonergan. That's who. Because uh, he her, he's yeah. the one that's been getting yeah. Like if you can slide in, it if Dylan Lonergan was the starter there, I don't, that doesn't mean he's going to be great or be fantasy relevant. But he, it seems like if if uh, if Jalen Milrow is Cam Akers, it feels like Kyron Williams is Dylan Lonergan. I hope that analogy made sense. Or made
3: I think sense. there's there's under twenty percent chance that Lonergan's the guy next year. I think they're going to go to the portal.
2: I think Lonergan's in an awkward position within this struggle for that starter spot where I think that it's ob- So obvious that they need to upgrade that they'll search very hard in the portal. Plus with saying coming in, I think yeah. that he'll fact, I, I, I don't think saying will start week one or anything like that, but I think he'll factor into the, the competition a little more. I mean, how, how bad did, did Drake may F up by
3: not going to Alabama this year? <laughs> Miss out on the bag and, and possibly change. Yeah. Well, see, I, I mean, w- we heard that he was offered a lot of money. It, yep. I, I don't think the May family is hurting for money for what it's worth. Yeah.
0: I um I actually disagree. I think Julian's saying we'll start next year. Week th-
2: one.
3: Yeah.
0: I don't think I don't think Whoa. Nick Saban's gonna have any concern about that whatsoever. Twelve twelve team playoff, you've got time. they they I don't know. I don't know if you can find their schedule right now. It's not like they're starting out with Georgia. I think that they won't be afraid to throw him out there. We keep hearing everybody's afraid to do it. We saw Jaden Rashada go out there this year. Dante Moore has already taken that job. I, I've said it before. I think with these teams going to the 12 team format, 12 team playoff format, I don't think Nick Saban's going to be that worried about it. He'll throw a freshman quarterback out
3: there. Are you sure it's going to be Nick Saban? No, that actually
0: I'm not sure of. But
1: <laughs> Yeah, people think that Saban's <laughs> going to be, it'll be, it'll
0: be higher. Sh- it'll be Shador and Dion next year than in Alabama. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how I <laughs>
3: Uh, the, oh, it's Western the, Kentucky week one next year. So you got you're right. setting your setting quarterback up for success, regardless of who. It's and going that's, to. A, that's exactly. a that's a
1: that's uh, a position that we're looking to see who's going to fill that quarterback spot next okay. year at Western Kentucky. Matthew, you you said you had to.
0: Yeah, to it's just Cade awesome. Clubnick and Ty Simpson. They're getting tanked back into the sixties like they were last year when I got called out for it. That's all I got to say. And Brandon Innes, if I'm being honest, I'm really worried he's going to be a year one zero. Unfortunately.
1: Austin, you had did you have a list of guys you're moving off of?
2: Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of pulling some names right now. Some some running backs that I think have looked really bad this year. Jarquez Hunter and Caleb Johnson I thought were kind of you know fringy sleeper type guys that could have maybe gone in like the third round. Both have just quite frankly stunk this year. And actually, this isn't even a shot at you, Felix, but this this player has really disappointed me in terms of role and production this year. Mayan Williams has basically been relegated to the third back there. Chip Trayanum's passed him. Um, he has,
1: which is so yeah. weird to me. He I ha- mean, he has for, passed him.
2: As a lifelong Chip Trainum uh fan that gave up on Chip Trainum because of the shift to linebacker, this still surprises me that he's kind of jumped into the RB two role there like he never even left. Very, very uh odd situation
1: there all around. It's because I mean I I've, I've, I've been starting my – Williams well, I started and Williams in week two, I believe. And I'm like so I'm being, I'm literally look right now. I am being mocked and ridiculed. I mean, he got, he got passed up by a
0: backup linebacker in less than <laughs> half a year.
3: Guys who played running back for a full we year. Got, we got
0: a dude who's who's charm and soft, according to two of you on this podcast, and a guy who was literally a ba- the four string linebacker has already passed him up in two games. But you know what? He's the, he's the second round. Runner. It's been
1: three games. Let's see if Dude, this holds let's, up. Let's.
0: D- Mayan Williams played a little bit in Week One. I don't even think he touched the field in Week Two, and I know damn sure he didn't touch the field last week. It well, Travion, he scored in Week One
1: because I got a touchdown from him. I started him yeah. in Week Two, and I'm like, "What the hell is this?" Well, but I'll ask in fairness, longer, the civilization none, of, none or the of the player. Whatever. None of the Ohio State running backs have been that good. Um. All right. Let's. Any other players that you guys are moving off of? Um. Jojo Earl, Jojo Earl to the Shadow Realm. I, man, I can I really love Jojo Earl. Uh, Joe Milton, I have no idea what I,
3: I would expect. He stinks. I remember He's he bottom was line.
0: Anthony Richardson this year, baby. That's what I was told. At the start of the year, this year's Anthony I, Richardson.
3: I bought in a little bit and I regret it because I saw him be terrible in Michigan, then I saw him be terrible and get benched for head and hooker, and then I said. Maybe maybe this time. It's like the Tobias meme for the rest of the development where, uh, where he says, uh, but maybe we can. No, it's Joe Milton stinks. Bottom line. I actually think we're going to see Nico Emelieva in the next two weeks.
1: I think so, too. Uh, Mox, a pure CFF question. Say Ban who's had the touches but not the production. Are we just waiting for maxion for him? Because, I mean, a lot of people drafted him thinking he was going to be like a RB1.
3: I think so, but I also don't like how involved O'Shawn Allison is for this team. Yeah. Um, he's like... He was the guy, what, three years ago? Two years ago? And, uh, yeah, it's a little worrisome. But I think Ohio's really good. So I think they're going to get in game scripts where both can be productive. And I think you're not going to get, like, massive 35-point leads for Ben but you're going to be have a guy who's productive enough.
1: Uh, movers in our rankings. Austin, can I... Uh any particular players that have moved a ton. I mean, one for me is Luther Burden. I had Luther Burden at like wide receiver 20-something. And listen, if he's going to produce and be that athletic and he's going to go test well, fine. You know, I think there is some safety in projecting his draft capital. He's going to be day one, day two player. But I just can't project his usage at the next level. So regardless, uh, I've compensated for that by he's now back into my – top to 10 or something like that. Um, so he's one guy that's moved, moved up for me.
2: Yeah. I'm trying to like, I, I I think some of the biggest movers for me were second year guys that I was waiting to do something. Mm-hmm. So if I was in like a, a if I'm in a Debbie league and I had them, I could flip them for something. Or if they're, if I was in a C2C league and you know, maybe I get some CFF value, but I've nuked uh, CJ Williams, who's now at Wisconsin. I've nuked <laughs> DJ Allen at TCU. I've nuked Shaz Preston. Finally gave up on Talon Shetron. Um Caden Saunders, I think is 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 worthless at this point. Um Grays is is way down there. Um I'm trying to go through and see some other guys. I mean, I think that those are kind of some of the big names. If we're talking about like more expensive guys that have dropped a couple of spots. Can I say something um, right uh,
1: in response to the names you just identified? I think yeah. this offseason, we will need to have like a transfer portal sort of maybe ranking show for guys like, you know, Jordan Hudson going to uh, SMU this year. Like how do we, these guys who we had high expectations for at one point, and they've transferred to another, like Kyan Graves is from what, Arizona. Like just imagine if you went to Arizona or, or quite frankly Arizona State with Kenny Dillingham there. I think that would maybe change a little bit of the of his picture. I think we should have a show dedicated to just talking about all the guys that switched positions and if they can get some some new life. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Like, like Emmanuel Emmanuel Henderson. Emmanuel Henderson going from from Florida. We knew he was athletic going to uh Cincinnati. I mean who would have thought
0: that? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I mean, Wait, what Xavier Henderson you mean?
1: Xavier I said Emmanuel Henderson. Uh-oh. Xavier Henderson. Xavier re- Henderson. Yeah
0: real quick I don't know if anybody knows this so I'll just say like Keon Gray has actually been injured, which is why he has not played like at all. But yeah he I don't think I don't he, he would have anyway, ranked. right? Probably not. I don't think he yeah. deserves to even be ranked at this point. But
2: Yeah. Any, were
1: there any? Okay. All right. Clay Mellon <laughs> gave
2: Clay up on Mullen. that
0: hope. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's move here to this weekend. I mean, this is an excellent... Slate of games. There are a lot of ranked teams playing each other Florida State, Clemson, Colorado, Oregon, UCLA, Utah, Old Miss, Alabama, Oregon State, Washington State, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Iowa, Penn State. Matthew, I think I would, as far as who has something to prove this weekend, I mean, it's Kyle, to me, it's Kyle McCord on the road at Notre Dame. Um, that is probably going to be the most watched game of the weekend, I would guess. I mean, Oregon and Colorado might get a big number, but as, as far as games that we expect to be close, uh, there's going to be a lot of people watching this, and I think Kyle has something to prove that I am a player that I can, you know, go into this type of environment and pull out a win.
0: Yeah, I mean, I said this, I think, two weeks ago when we had the, like it, our panic meter, maybe it was last week on Kyle McCord, like, I think this is the game. If he plays well, I don't think there's any shot we see Devin Brown. I still think there is a shot if Kyle goes in there and this is like a tie ball game going into the fourth quarter and Kyle has not played well and he's throwing interceptions, I would not be surprised if we see Day try and throw Devin Brown out there. But if he goes out there and wins them this game, I think McCord is like sewing up the job for sure moving forward. It's going to be, I think, a very good game. Uh, Notre Dame's defense, I think, is going to be able to challenge them a little bit. It's, uh, I'm excited for it. I think the other big game, and I don't agree with you. I don't disagree with you. I think a lot of people are going to watch Colorado-Oregon. I don't think that's going to be a good game, like maybe till halftime, but I think Oregon is just overall the much better team. The one that's interesting to me is Florida State-Clemson because I think this has got a big shot for, tra- this is a big chance for Jordan Travis and them to bounce back after that game against Boston College last week and really kind of take, in my opinion, that conference by the neck if they're able to beat Clemson. Because if they do that, I think they're going to be considered the favorites and they don't play Miami. I think it's like the second to last game of the season for them. So I think it will pop, probably come down to those two because I don't think North Carolina is on their level either. So that to me is like the really big one because Clemson's kind of had their number. And I know Clemson hasn't necessarily looked good, but you still got to go up there and beat Big Brother and end up taking taking the mantle. So I, that is the game I am excited about. I'm glad that it's the morning game like it's not really in my opinion conflicting with a lot of other big games that that's is the other one to me
1: i would really like to know the over under on this game because i think that's going to be a defensive matchup um where both offenses may try to play keep away with the 55 some sort of ball 55 i would take the under on 55 um that's why trey benson i think is important in this game trey benson has not had you know the production that we thought he would to this point of the season. Clemson is still is a good defense. I think Clemson is, I mean, I saw Nate Wiggins returning a pass for a a touchdown. Uh, uh, So I'm going to use that pick six against an overmatched team to conclude that Clemson still has a good defense. Um, But when you play a good defense, you have to be able to get first downs on the
0: ground. There is one other game I forgot to mention. I think this is Ole Miss's chance to really do something in the SEC. This is their shot for – Lane Kiffin, Kiffin, prove it. This is Kiffin's shot to, to take, take down Saban right here. This is the best chance he's going to have, and I don't think Jackson Dart has played horrible so far this year. This is going to be their opportunity. They almost had him last year. This is going to be their opportunity right here to take down Alabama.
1: Okay, in years past, Alabama would have had one of these games where they won but they barely squeaked it out, and then they would go like dominate the next yeah. opponent that they play, that they played – I'm scared that that could happen here. I'm scared. Like, they're just so focused in practice, and they just go out and
0: dominate. If they had, like, a Bryce Young – if they had a quarterback, I'd agree with you. I just don't see Jalen Miller. I don't even see – like, I I tweeted – I thought Ty Simpson was going to get the shot to start this week, to be honest with you, after what he did last week. Maybe he has a chance, because I I know the upside's there, quote-unquote, but, like, I don't see it. I don't think that – I don't think that that defense is going to be able to slow down. They weren't able to slow down Judkins last year. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it again this year. Dart looks better. Like, I think this is their chance. This I don't think Milrow is going to be the one who gets it done.
1: Austin, Chris, any other players that you wanted to mention?
2: No. I think Ole Miss is pretty banged up for what it's worth. I'm not, I actually am not sure that they'll – Judkins is, is injured. Trey Harris is injured. Uh, Zach Zachary or Zachary, I don't know is Franklin's injured, Priest Corn's injured. Trigg sat out last week for disciplinary issues or something. Is that? I don't want to besmirch the guy if that's not true, but I thought that was true. Um, so I mean, they. I don't know what they're going to be throwing to. Who's going to be moving the ball? I, I I actually think Alabama wins this. I think it. I don't think it's the classic. You know, they come out and hang fifty six on them. But I kind of like Alabama to kind of. <laughs> kind of pound pound them a little bit here. If they
1: case. if they don't if like old well first I mean if Old Miss wins the game obviously Alabama is is you know kind of done. But Alabama might be like d- done. And I need to go find it because I talked about this last year. You're like they're still going to be able to recruit and blah blah blah. I was like Alabama is headed for
0: they uh, have been recruiting period. though. He's still got didn't they have the That's number true. one class last year? Like it's not like they haven't been recruiting. They just haven't yeah. had that quarterback. That's the problem. Yeah.
1: I still projected Alabama to, you know, be in a down period. And another It's just period.
2: really tough to be wow. amazing every year. I mean, Georgia has it been is. very good this year and they Well, you would
1: think that they would be able to go back to that old school game where they just kind of overpower teams and run the ball. Like you said earlier.
2: That's the only thing that surprised me about them this year, quite frankly. I think everything else has looked pretty similar to what we kind of expected. I'm just shocked that they're not running the ball 50 times a game and not doing it effectively. Yeah. I, I they got a big offensive line. I mean, I know they haven't played amazingly, but run, you know, run blocking is a lot different than pass pass pro. You think they could just tell them just freaking kill the guy and you know just just have them just unleash the, their big physical guys on some of these 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 other teams that just don't Caden have to Pro- talk
1: about how big yeah. Caden Proctor yeah, right. is and how much of a
2: main mover big. He is. I mean, yeah. yeah, all these dudes are big athletes.
0: I think it's just the defenses. No, I mean, Sart talked about that. He said they needed to go in and stop the run game. I just don't think defenses are scared of, of Milrow at all. So if you know, you all you have to do is key in on the running backs. And I, I mean, I think we were all kind of fooled. I don't think Jace McClellan's it. Obviously. I don't think they have a special back back there right now.
1: And Justin Sainz did- has been injured, right? He's not. He is. Uh, he born. was. He's I,
2: back now. Saban said today that he want, that he thinks that Jam and uh, uh, Haynes are going to play a role at some point this season. He's specifically in both those guys, which I thought was interesting. I Roydell ran a bunch last week, too. I mean, yeah. I, I just think they're trying to grasp at something and see
1: what works. And I think Saban will roll whoever through there until it happens. Well, it's uh, it's going to be a loaded slate on Saturday. Again, start your Saturday morning. Uh, with. You know what? We got through this whole um, show, and I didn't mention anything about Thomas Castellanos and, and being one of my shoot from deeps uh, in last year's class or the fact that UCF basically laughed in, in me and Luke Probasco's face when we asked for an inter- interview with Thomas Castellanos last year. They said, why well, I guess I'm not supposed to disclose what it is, what it is that they said. So I'll be professional um, for once. All right, that's our show for tonight. We're going to have Kirk Herbstreit on, but we ran out of time. So apologies to him. Uh, for Chris Moxley, Matt Bruning, and Austin Ace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.